What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 256 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Tuesday, September 13th, 4.49 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Josh. I am one of the hosts. Mike is also one of the hosts. It was my birthday, uh, what, 11 days ago, September 2nd? I am 34 now. Started the podcast when I was 26. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in my 30s, too. I'm 33. Um... Probably so, soon to be 34, I would assume. Yeah, soon to be 34, yeah, in May. So it's, it is a, definitely one of those things where you have, we've definitely noticed as the years have gone by that things are have changed, so to speak, since the first time that we started recording this podcast. Um, some for the better, for instance, I think we've gotten better at doing the podcast, then that's for sure. It's less awkward. Then, yeah, uh, uh, from when we first started. So we're a little more comfortable uh, with uh, talking with one another. Uh, we pick up on each other's uh, uh, cues and stuff like that a lot easier. Yeah, and I can tell ahead of time when Mike's going to rant about something or go on a tangent. <laughs> I, I feel it. Like a, a yeah. like a seismic oh, just, wave. Yeah, it's just like I feel uh, psychically when you're about to say something that could get us canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you guys never hear that because it never makes the podcast. Except for exactly. the rare occasion that I forget to edit something, and it does. But um, usually the, the real cancelable stuff, uh, I always edit that out. Yeah. So. so it's good, and, it's good uh, to know. We have a case today uh, that... Uh, Oh, Mike, got hold lost on. on our own radar. I know you're not just going to jump into the I'm segment. I'm not going to. I'm just saying. I'm just giving a little bit of a, a teaser. Taste. Okay. A little bit of a teaser. Mike, the queen is dead. I know. And I don't it, really it, care. Yeah, I don't. I don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> two Americans here, ladies and gentlemen. Two Americans. Uh, I, well, I mean, even if I was British, like I think I would just be one of those. Oh, that's sad. But oh, I can. What I, did she ever really do for me? I personally? can guarantee you, like you know? the British youth. You know, like the the twenty, the late teens, the twenty somethings. They probably don't give a flying fuck either. No. They're probably just like, you know, good for her. Never did nothing for me. I don't know. Awful yeah, it, it was accent. it was ta- it was her time. She was fucking ninety six, dude. Ninety something. Yeah, she was ninety six years old. You really can't complain. I don't think anyone's like in shock. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, she would. I mean, it was it was just one of those things where you know it's it was about to happen. I, but I'm know, watching like, like NBC sooner rather than later. I watch NBC Nightly News because I like Lester Holt. He because he he was great on the uh, true crime shows, the hosting on those. But um, I just I don't uh-huh. know. I just Watch it. It just gives you the news. It doesn't really editorialize or anything. And uh, my God, the last like three fucking days has been nothing but talking about the fucking queen for like the majority Uh and the ceremonies that are going on in Scotland and the ceremonies that are going on in fucking Australia. I mean, Canada. That's that's definitely going to be something that they're going to milk on these news channels. But 100%. like, like all the pomp and circumstance, it's like, yeah. my, my God, I can understand like one or two days, but they're like doing a whole Woodstock festival of like queen death I, cel- I, celebration. I, I, I expected that for the queen of England. Definitely expected that. That's like crazy. Would not thing have is, expected anything less. And 
granted, granted, huge, like, you know, asterisks here. This is all coming from a dumb American. So just keep yeah. that in mind. Like, <laughs> we have not grown up under a uh, monarchy. No. Uh, we have grown up knowing a, a president who, you know, makes actual decisions that affect people. Uh, and then Congress. And then, you know, your judicial, your executive. I'm not and your, saying that people in the monarchy haven't done that either in some capacity. Apparently, I mean, apparently, from what I understand, the monarchy is essentially like a super PAC. Like they, it's a figurehead. Well, not only that, but like they, from what I, someone was telling me, because they were apparently their family, and I know, I know, we're gonna get comments about this. My ignorance. Um, their the the royal family will like kind of give money to like lobby for certain things that they want passed in Parliament. So mm-hmm. they they kind of influence through in the same way that lobbyists. Im- influence shit over here but it's just like yeah. oh queen shit does it. the 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 queen's court is uh, is calling you oh yeah so, fucking <laughs> you know what i hate about like iphones and apple products all being interconnected is that like when one phone when my phone rings and my stupid laptop starts ringing and then my apple watch will start ringing it's like holy shit i need all you guys to calm the fuck down i don't need all of you going off like a scared child during like a fire alarm you're you know whatever the fuck i'm trying to say like it's so annoying that it does that but yeah no essentially like i don't know it seems like the monarchy is just like a bunch of lobbyists who are like hey we would uh, appreciate it if you would do this and if you don't we're not going to give you any money so you can fuck off and so i mean that's my what my understanding and i'm it's also i'm also under the understanding that uh it costs the uh, English taxpayer like you know so much money per year because uh-huh. they they it costs like millions of dollars to keep yeah. their keep up their whole estate and yeah all the a bullshit lot of that goes along with public it. image it's a public image thing that that's what it is it's like it, it it's PR in some ways for for England you know with the monarchy um in a lot of ways the queen was kind of like a celebrity like she'd go in on tours and meet with other celebrities i mean there's photos of her shaking hands with kermit the frog you know it's that kind of thing you yeah know, my whole it, thing is just like like who who like what do you actually do like why should i care it's i get that people call you the queen but what like why does that matter i mean if we're living in like the 17th century where you actually have a king and a queen who like rule the country that's one thing but if it's just this honorary kind of role where it's just kind of you know giving you a participation yeah. trophy kind of thing it's just like i don't well I we're don't, we're outside of that environment like we didn't grow up you know all i'm saying monarchy, is so. i saw i've seen the same image that they show on the news of the one old lady crying that the queen was dead and i feel like that's the only image they could find <laughs> of someone showing that much emotion caring that much that the queen was actually dead because like most brits that they're interviewing they're like yeah you know it's sad because you know she's been she's been here ever since i was a child and you know it's sad but uh you know uh whatever you know it's like yeah, it was the time to go yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's like and then like oh now there's gonna be a king and god save the king and it's just like oh enough with the fucking queen and the king and all the those old the only queen i'll take is the is the band Uh, that's the one yeah that's that's the one that i'm a bigger fan of 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I um, I don't care. Anyway, moving on. Um, how have you been, Mike? You've been uh, busy with your with your twelve jobs. <laughs> it's not twelve. It's only two still. But uh, yeah, I've been busy. Um, you know, a little leery about my safety at one of at, at Michael's because uh, there's been like a string of robberies in Oregon at like a bunch of Michael stores. <laughs> So and there was also a robbery next door at at uh, Ross wow. within like the last week or so. So it's one of those things where I'm a little leery, a little anxious, you know, be working there at night. We have a very small staff, too, at night still. So it's not like we really could do much of anything. And it's just one of those things where there's nothing to defend ourselves or anything. If any something like that occurs, you just have to be like, here's the money and don't shoot me, you know, right. but that there's no guarantee, you know, that these these people, you know, won't just decide to open fire and be like, we don't want any witnesses. That, I mean, I remember working at CVS and like when though, especially when they would like make me cover shifts at another store, um, like in a more like ghetto ass location, mm-hmm. um, I, I would always be nervous when, you know, the, the automatic doors would open up and someone just like walks in real aggressively. Yeah, I was I, I was watching the automatic doors like the entire night when I was told this by a manager you know about uh i mean shouldn't you be getting hazard pay at that point i mean if it's (laughs) that dangerous of a situation like i i know i know but that's not gonna happen um i should have gotten an extra bump in pay for dealing with like a mega karen at, at my other job who for some reason just assumed that that i wasn't talking to her because i was on the radio at one point and i stopped using the radio and if she was paying attention, she would know that I wasn't talking into the microphone anymore. So I was trying to get her attention to get some more information from her so I could help her. And she was like, uh, oh, sorry, I, I didn't know you were talking to me because you weren't giving me uh, eye contact. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, God. And then I explained to her because I thought maybe this woman might be a little more understanding, you know, of my situation. So I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'm autistic. It's kind of something that I deal with. And then she, it seemed like she was taken aback by me mentioning that. And then she told me to my face, autism is not an excuse. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, total Jesus. bitch move right there. Like horrible. Um, she sounds. She sounds like one of those "fuck your feelings" g- yes. type of crowd. Yeah, yeah. and I AKA handled it. I, I was taken aback initially so much that I kind of tripped over the 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 uh, pad on the floor, and. Uh, I just internalized it, and I figured out. Uh, what what was going on? We gave her the discount, uh, let her go on her merry way, and apparently, like one of the customers that was at another register, like she was more more instantly heated about it than I was. Like she was talking to the other cashier, just like 
I, I, I can't even believe what I heard there. I'm going to, I'm going to take that woman aside. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to give her a talking to like, that's just not acceptable. Uh, you don't talk to somebody like that. And then like the cashier, like calmed her down was like, just, just let Mike know that he did a good job. And that's what that, that's what the guest did. She just came over after I dealt with all that and was like, you handled that really well. And Damn. that made me feel a little bit better. But at the same time, that's the first time I've ever dealt with somebody like straight up autism explained to me. It's like, you have no idea what I've been dealing with my entire life. Like if it was that easy to not, to make constant eye contact when I'm talking to people, I would have found a way by now. Maybe you should tell my brain that. Right. Yeah, that's how my <laughs> that's how Stephanie, my singer for the band is. She she eye contact has always been like a very difficult thing for her. Mm-hmm. I've had for me it, it's like it depends on the day, it depends on the the moment yeah. that you catch me. Some days I'm feeling very confident and very, you know, not not a lot of anxiety. You know, and I'm just like just staring everyone staring through their eyeballs because I'm just so confident. And then other days, I just don't want to look at anybody. Like I just yeah don't look. I, I don't look at me. I'm not gonna look at you. I'm just trying to go about my shit and you know be done. I'm and, like, what what difference does it make anyway? Like I'm I'm, yeah, I'm just, just taking your money. School. I'm it's just a, uh, helping you out, figuring things out in terms of the price point. It's that old school mentality, that old school kind of, if you ask me, like more Republican based mentality of like, if you're a real man, you stand up straight, you look the man in the eye and you give him a firm ass alpha male hand. It's it's, (laughs) it's that kind of school of thought. It's it's very outdated. And I mean, yes, there is something to eye contact that that is kind of a social norm. And if you aren't exhibiting that, then... Some people might think that oh, there's something wrong with you or whatever. Well, there is. I mean, that that's that's just that's just one of the few things that I still struggle with with right. my with my autism is is stuff like that. It's it's the social sort of situations. It's the eye contact. It's it's um, dealing with uh, multitasking. Like there are times where I can get overwhelmed and I shut down. Because there's just too many things going on Man, in my you sound, head. You sound like Stephanie so much right now. I know. She, she says all the same shit. It, she, it's, it, she specifically uses the phrase, she shuts down. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've done that many it times. It gets frustrating when I deal with her because, like, I, I guess her shit's, like, undiagnosed, you know. So she's yeah. just, she's, we have a lot of autistic or uh, on the autism spectrum friends. So, like, she, from hanging around with them, she's starting to realize that, Man, like I display a lot of the same character traits that they do. Like I am probably on some on the spectrum in yeah, some way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, it's it's everyone you know is is deals with it in their own way. Um, mm. I used to be way 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 worse <laughs> in the yeah. past. So um, in the past, I would have just shut down and not even be able to keep going after something like that. Now, because I've had experience online dealing with all kinds of difficult people through YouTube and then also been working in retail for as long as I have, I'm able to weather the storm and just keep going. I I can't lie and say that it didn't, you know, shock me or didn't affect me. It kind of made my day pretty shitty, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, and then it didn't help either that that I had a pretty bad day as a sports fan directly afterwards. Oh, and also I found out my dad had has COVID. So that 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 was just that was a that was a wonderful day. Triple whammy. A fantastic day. Triple fucking whammy. Well, damn, man, it sucks. Sorry to hear that. Um, I don't have autism, but I do have anxiety and OCD, and I made a TikTok channel about it, and it's almost <laughs> about to hit a thousand followers, and I made it like two or three weeks ago. It's blowing up. Well, congrats. It's blowing up faster than anything <laughs> I've ever done, honestly. Like even the yeah. podcast, like it's it's like wow. Okay, um, I'm hoping but- that you know, off topic, but as usual, I'm hoping in terms of blowing up. I'm I'm hoping that the Cobra Kai videos I'm going to be doing pretty soon. I'm hoping those get some views, but I, I mean, there's so many no people who YouTube are anymore. talking about Cobra Kai. So I don't know. Cobra Kai is a Netflix show. It's a spinoff of the karate kid. Oh, I know. But like, I, I was saying like, I have no idea what, what YouTube's algorithm is anymore. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I just stopped even trying to pretend to know. And I, I mean, just... there's stuff that I'm like, what this got like over a hundred thousand views of just some, some lady watching a movie. Like that's a new thing. Like these these uh, first time viewing uh, videos where people supposedly watch a film for the first time and show their reaction. How are they not getting copyright strikes? I don't that? know. I have no idea. They probably if I tried are. to do something like that. I get copyright claimed. I don't make anything. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point in at my in in my career on YouTube, it's like I've been doing this long enough to where it's like I'm done making videos purely for fun i do want them to succeed so i get some kind of monetary payback for the work that i put into it i've been i've been at it for so long and uh you know things are just kind of where they are so i just do videos that i that i want to do except for ones that uh people request because i've just been doing this for so long at this point um not as long uh this podcast has not been as long as I've been on YouTube. Uh, you've been on YouTube been... for uh, Jesus since like what 2008. Yeah, I mean over over a decade for sure. Like That's... not specifically with this channel, but definitely over a decade. Yeah, I mean you can definitely if you scroll back on Mike's YouTube channel, OCP Communications. Um, you can definitely scroll back through the years and find a, a much younger Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that. I did that one time. <laughs> I just wanted to see how far back your shit went. And I'm uh-huh. like, damn, like you were uploading videos back when the limit was like 15 minutes. So yeah. you'd have part one, part two, yeah. part three. Yeah. Back when I was either still living with my parents or back when I moved in with uh, my dad in Oklahoma City. So, yeah. But anyway, let's tell mysteries. Someone made the comment <laughs> on our just just yawning right in the middle of a yawn just yeah, like sorry ah, it's all mysteries i'm again. super into this guys no i am like this uh this one fell through the cracks and i love the comment on our uh on our facebook group some dude's like are you guys just gonna just start covering shit on netflix or are you gonna or have you abandoned the mystery thing completely and uh no sir we have not but what you have to realize is that we ha- are beyond scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point trying to find new exciting cases to talk about regarding unsolved mysteries because as i've said a million times i blew my load of of interesting mysteries that we i wanted to did. yeah like the, <laughs> like pretty much up to episode 100 uh, of this podcast is like really when we were just sawing through 
especially like the first 25 episodes, we were just sawing through all the cases we ever wanted to talk about and, uh-huh. you know, Allagash abductions and then the Dale and uh, yeah. the... Um, I mean, the Dale we could cover again because there is that documentary series that I, I haven't even watched yet. We've already recovered HBO. the Dale. Like we, I know. We, we redid... Uh, I know, we redid that, one. but we could redo re-redo. that again. Yeah, re-redo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to do it again. I think twice was good. Yeah, for me. unless there's some extra stuff in that documentary. There, I mean, there probably is. Um, you know, um, I know there's a new DB Cooper documentary. I, I watched. Think, on I watched that one. I watched that one. It was okay. Um, it it kind of like threw you in a different direction because they were talking about DB Cooper and they were mainly focusing on this one guy and his research. And uh-huh. it was it was kind of making you think that oh okay this guy's like you know kind of the authority on this and yada 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 and then in like the second episode they're basically st- like calling the guy a quack who's gotten too obsessed with the case and Whoa. you know it, and and he is just pull like grasping at straws basically to like interesting one eighty yeah it's like weird because they, in the first episode they make it seem like he's like you know the voice of all things db cooper and then in the second one they're like yeah man that guy's uh you know on the fringe and yada 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 and um they think they they knew it was this guy named burke shile or rock shaw or something i forget his last mm-hmm. name but um mm-hmm. uh, they, he uh they they the documentary was pretty much like their consensus was that it was this one guy um who, who's just this old like dude who likes to sail and deal with boats now in florida of course because (laughs) if it's some sketchy shit it's gonna be in florida i mean speaking of sketchy shit the bermuda triangle florida i'm so fuck i'm so (laughs) sick of my state like having this fucking awful reputation of like housing like the most despicable people uh Uh and like all this awful shit that goes on Mysterious and it seems, triangles. Seems like anytime I watch like a porn and it's like a casting couch kind of thing where the guy's talking to the girl before they have sex, he's always like, So where are you from? And she's like, Florida. And I'm like, God damn it. Why is this such a despicable state? Not saying there's anything wrong with the uh, porn, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, kind of like not the most honorable thing in the world. Um, yeah, a lot of porn, like amateur porn stars come from your stage. Huh? Yeah. How does that make you feel? I-, I bet there probably is a Bermuda Triangle porno, too. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Like, <laughs> But anyway, uh, we're talking about the Unsolved Mysteries a segment from season three. I Flight believe. 19. Yeah. Also known as the Bermuda Triangle. Because back in this time period uh when this uh, segment was aired the the theories surrounding the bermuda triangle were less concrete so people didn't necessarily know that it was not really anything that mysterious like it's just one of those things where it, it just happened like people just got lost and whatever and it was a lot of like errors when it comes to the people who are flying the plane or, you know, sailing the boat or whatever, or just kind of a strange coincidence. So, yeah, the Bermuda Triangle is this triangle in the Atlantic Ocean that that comprises it goes from Miami and it shoots over to Bermuda 
and that shoots down to Puerto Rico, and then it shoots back to Miami, making this triangle. <clears throat> and throughout the years, uh, like hundreds of ships and planes have disappeared in this region. And it's really like mysterious, uh, and they're usually like never recovered. So it's been referred to as the Triangle of Death, or the Hoodoo Sea, which I think is kind of a stupid name, or the Great. <laughs> I, I I love hearing Robert Stack though say the, the Hoodoo Sea. <laughs> yeah, the graveyard of the Atlantic. Um, you know. So anyway, five Navy Avenger torpedo bombers took off on a routine training mission known as Flight 19. There are 14 men on board. Five hours later, the entire squadron has vanished without a trace. And a modern legend of the supernatural is born. Um, as I said, Bermuda Triangle, all its various nicknames. Uh, the area extends from south of Florida, northeast Bermuda, and southeast to Puerto Rico. Some researchers claim that since the early 1900s, over 100 ships and planes have disappeared in this region. But the Triangle's most famous victims were the five Avengers of Flight 19. I don't. Why are they the most famous? I don't know. Well, I mean, because it's. I would probably say that due to the fact that it, I, I, it was um, a flight during the war, and then they got lost, and it was like multiple planes. I, I, yeah. I guess that that's probably why it's. And the they most were maintaining. Famous. They were like maintaining radio contact the whole time. Yeah, they just kind of like were like, "What the fuck? Where are we?" Yeah, at? it's it's definitely the most mysterious and interesting uh, case involving the Bermuda Triangle. Other ones are like a boat, or you know, gets lost, or some of this other stuff, and this is not as uh, fascinating or or intriguing. Um, but honestly, I don't even find this as fascinating as intriguing as other uh, mysteries myself. But uh, it's definitely worth covering, though. Yeah, so you get the next paragraph. Uh, some say that Flight 19 was swallowed up by supernatural forces. Ooh, spooky. Um, what kind of supernatural forces? Ghosts? Aliens? <laughs> Vecna. <laughs> From Stranger Things. Oh, okay. But after years of research, a former helicopter pilot named John Meyer has a more scientific theory. John carefully studied the squadron's flight plan, radio transmissions, and the weather on the day of the disappearance. And he's quoted here, When I read this story and I read transcripts of the radio conversations, it triggered a response in me. And I said, if this is true, and this is true, then I, can, then I think I can find one of the airplanes. I love what he says it triggered a response in me. Like, and this uh this John Meyer guy like <laughs> this motherfucker's got to be rich. Oh be yeah. Because later Loaded. on later on in the uh episode this dude like thinks that he discovered one of the planes. Yep. And he proceeds to like pull this bitch out from the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. and all the equipment and the little uh deep sea diver device that he has that he can get into with a robotic arm it's like how much money do you have bro like <laughs> nobody else on the planet except for like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates could even James afford Cameron. Yeah, yeah like they no one could afford to do like and this was the 90s and this shit looked way advanced even for them yeah. like it's like holy shit! Underwater yeah. cranes, submarine, uh-huh. uh, submarines with uh, mechanical arms. Yeah. So, 
The story of the Lost Squadron began at the Naval Air Station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Of course. Of course it did. Of course it did. Couldn't have been Texas. Couldn't have been California. Had to be Florida. It definitely wouldn't be Washington. We don't don't have a Naval Air Station over here as far as I know. uh, (laughs) Florida is very, like, military heavy. Like, Jacksonville is really big. We have, like, museums. We have, like, air museums around here in the Pacific Northwest. But I don't don't know if there actually was an air station. Yeah, we got all that shit. That's why we're a target. Uh, Someone released some meme. Or or I don't know if it was a meme, but it was, like, a a picture that went viral. And it said um, Russian nuclear targets in the U.S. And it was, like, it was, like... 25 like red dots on certain cities and of course jacksonville was one of them i don't think washington was neither were any of the flyover states um so anyway uh it was the afternoon of december 5th 1945 lieutenant charles taylor was assigned to command flight 19 he was known as a cool capable pilot with over 2500 hours as a naval aviator so yeah that crosses out inexperience you right. know, because there are certain cases like this where you could really attribute the plane going down to just not knowing how to fly a plane that well right. or handle the elements. Like we, I think we've covered cases like that where uh, they should not have been up in the air. Um, oh yeah, that 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 was like the that was the case that was with the uh, the televangelist lady. Um, that was selling like the way down and had that crazy big hair. I watched that whole documentary series and the, the former actor turned pilot, Joe Lara. Uh, he didn't really have a whole lot of experience flying this particular plane and definitely didn't really have that much, uh, experience flying in elements and the plane ultimately crashed. And, uh, Laura and his his uh, evangelist life, evangelist life, and his wife ended when that uh, that plane crashed into into I think it was like a river or a lake or something. So yeah, planes are not stuff to be messing around with if you don't have the right experience. It's not really one of those. Don't worry, guys. I got this kind of situations when, like no. you know, you need a pilot like. And anyway, even if you are a pilot, like if you don't have a lot of hours training in a particular plane, then you shouldn't be you shouldn't be flying that plane on a long trip. So that was not this guy, though. He had over no. twenty five hundred hours as a naval aviator. The crew of Flight Nineteen was briefed on the routing training exercise. Just I mean before routine, takeoff. whatever. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Taylor made a strange request. He wanted to be removed from the flight. He said he wasn't feeling up to it. But Taylor was the only instructor on base that afternoon, so he had to fly. The five planes lifted off and headed out over the Atlantic. In the reenactment, uh, Lieutenant Taylor is, like, talking to the head honcho, and he's like, sir, can I speak to you outside? And he's like, okay, yeah, give me five minutes. And he's like, what seems to be the problem, son? And he's like, sir, if it's all the same to you, I would just as well not... uh, fly today he's like well can i ask why not and he's like uh you know i just don't i just don't feel like it good or i don't feel like it or something like I that i got a bad feeling about this <laughs> nah, i don't know but uh yeah he ba- it basically does he doesn't specify why he didn't want to he basically was just like which well, you he know was right <laughs> i mean the the 
The enthusiast guy, John Meyer, later states that this is not true, what I'm about to say. But I would surmise from that is that, like, because they were saying he was kind of, like, a little bit of a partier. So they're saying he was, like, hungover and he just didn't feel like it. Okay. Then, you know, John Meyer goes on later on and and says that, you know, that's, he's like, that's unfair to Lieutenant Taylor. Well, even if that that. is true, that just, like... If that kid, that is true that he was hungover, that is a good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, that, that is a good reason. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're not gonna. I mean, depending on how hungover you are, I mean, like you're not gonna. Can you imagine flying a plane hungover? <laughs> Bro, I couldn't imagine flying a plane under any circumstance. I already hate. Yeah. I'm already afraid of heights as it is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if my fear would be more or less if I was actually in control of the plane and I at any point I could decide to like, you know, land it if mm-hmm. I wanted to or whatever. Like, yeah. But then I guess, I guess with what they were flying, you can't you can't land it wherever you want. It's not yeah. like a helicopter. You have to like exactly. land it on a landing strip. Yeah. So yeah, I'd probably get claustrophobic and freak the fuck out. Uh, but anyway. Um, their plane was to fly 123 nautical miles southeast, practice a bomb run, uh, push 73 miles northwest, and head 120 miles back to Fort Lauderdale. Diane Laws is a Flight 19 researcher, and she says, Flight 19 consisted of four student pilots who were qualified naval avi- aviators. They each had more hours in the air than the FAA requires now for commercial license. They had gone through all of the, their training except for this one flight. Now, my thing, whenever I, whenever I hear about the uh, practice bomb run, did they just get to the certain spot that they were going to bomb and just go pew 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 boom and just make the noise with their mouths? Like, <laughs> it's like, what does that what does that look like? You probably know? not. Uh, they probably had dummy bombs, maybe, or maybe they actually did. Bomb it! Like I've what seen if the, some What if the where... fuselage was full of just like candy and shit that they just drop <laughs> on the island? Because I've definitely seen cases of back practice bomb runs where they actually do use live bombs. So who knows? Seems, like maybe they like actually a waste of uh, resources. But I guess it's. I guess you do need the practice if you're going to be bombing something. Yep. Then John Meyer points out that Lieutenant Taylor was not leading the squadron. He goes, the flight was not following Charles Taylor. He was the instructor pilot who was trailing behind the rest of the flight. He was grading their performance. He wasn't doing the navigating. The other pilots in the flight were doing their own navigation. Okay, that's good to know. So if he was hungover, then he's not the one that's uh, that's guiding everybody. Right. So that would that would honestly take away that possibility that him being inebriated led to them going off course. Uh, the men successfully completed the practice bomb run, but on the second leg of the flight, Taylor's compass began to m- malfunction. Yes, another airman, what his compass reading was, the airman reported 330 degrees. Uh, since this is early enough in the, in the series' run, they definitely had more production values for these reenactments, and that is definitely on display with this segment. Oh yeah, um, I mean they got actual fucking jets in it, like mm-hmm. seemingly in the air. Like yeah. if, if they weren't really in the air, it was pretty damn. Convincing. Oh, they definitely were. They they probably rented them from like some World War Two uh, uh, airplane uh, a museum or something, or they 
created mock-ups uh, or they used mock-ups that might have been used in in feature films or other, you know, television shows. Um Meyer, they could have also used stock footage though. That is a possibility that they could have just found used stock footage from some other project. I don't know. It looked very much in line with how Unsolved Mysteries like yeah. shot shot their I know. segments. So I, I don't know. think it was stock because because I I've seen when they've used stock footage before and like the film style is completely yeah. different looking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think it was stock footage either. Um. But yeah, uh, Meyer believes the crewman's compass reading was correct, but Lieutenant Taylor remained convinced that they were lost. When he looked down and saw a string of small islands, Taylor assumed that they must be over the Florida Keys. But Taylor had made a critical mistake. Flight 19 was not in the Gulf of Mexico. Meyer believes that the squadron was actually flying over the Abaco Islands in the West Atlantic, 300 miles northeast of where Taylor thought he was. From the air... The two island chains look very similar. Taylor ordered the planes to fly northeast, then due east. If they had been over the Keys, this route would have taken them safely home. Instead, it took them further out to sea. By and they have the they they have the yeah. little graphic that shows that, and mm-hmm. and like I love when they show those like those yeah. graphics in the show, even though they're yeah. like crude crude looking to for today's standards. Mm-hmm. I just I love the visual, and you just see the the anim, like the drawing of the plane. Yeah, you know, if it were the Keys, they'd be back in Florida. But because it was the Abaco Islands, and the plane is just flying further east, and it's just like, oh man, like they're 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 yeah, they're they're screwed. Uh, By five o'clock p.m., the sun was setting, and the weather was getting worse. Flight nineteen was headed east, uh, away from their base, when they began losing radio contact. The base heard one of the last pilot-to-pilot communications. If we just headed west, we'd get home. Damn it, if we just head west, we'd get home. Fuel was low and time was running out. According to Meyer, Taylor finally listened to his crewmen and headed west toward the Florida coast. So he flew due west for 49 minutes until the first airplane crashed. Meyer thinks the remaining four pilots had made another fatal mistake. They were only seven minutes away from the Florida coast, but they still had not spotted land. They were that close. Yep. And I think I think when the one plane went down, they're like, all right, fuck this. Like, we got to try something else because we just lost a guy, you know. But if they, yeah, they were like seven minutes away or something like that, like from. from, Yeah, that's so so awful so tragic like i can i understand the thought process of we got to do something else but i mean there's also uh you know a a good amount of um thought that you could put into the idea of just continuing on course because you're already lost (laughs) i mean you're running out of fuel they began to think perhaps they were flying over the Gulf of Mexico, so they once again reversed their course and headed east. This then took them back out to sea where they disappeared and the fl- fate of Flight 19 was sealed. For the next five days, the Navy conducted a massive search. No trace of the planes or the 14 missing men was ever found. However, Meyer believes that some of the men of Flight 19 were alive during uh, this time drifting at sea. Two ships sighted flares within five hours of each other, and everybody in the investigation said, nah, 
Those flares that were spotted were search aircraft. Well, I went back to the investigation and I found out when the search aircraft took off and where they went. And the search aircraft weren't where those flares were sighted by those steamers. I think those were people from Flight 19. Meyer believes the plane crashed just 30 miles off the Florida coast near Cape Canaveral, but finding a single Avenger in the ocean was an overwhelming task until a national tragedy struck. In 1986, a space shell Challenger exploded after liftoff Ugh. from Cape Kennedy. Yeah, that was bad. Have you seen the documentary on that? That 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 was a good one, but it was it was a rough watch. I think yeah, I think I did. Um, some of the, the the debris fell in the exact location where Meyer believes the first plane crashed. The Challenger salvage team reported a wrecked plane submerged in the 400 feet of water. John Meyer believed the discovery supported his theory, and several years later, he was able to see for himself. Meyer went down in a submarine to inspect the wreckage, this rich motherfucker. He goes, <coughs> after I cough, he goes, We knew we had a wreck, but we didn't know what type of airplane it was, and to say I was on the edge of my seat along with my colleagues would be an understatement. See, he had colleagues, so there is a potential that he wasn't funding it all himself. Because this is a fairly well-known uh, uh, instance of a flight just going off the radar and just disappearing. Uh, and there were a lot of books that were already written about it. There was a lot of other sort of media buzz at the time about Flight 19. I think there was an In Search of episode that talked about Flight 19. Um, I own that whole, I, Mysteries doing it. I own that whole ass series on box set, and I just can't bring myself to watch it. It's so, like I watched a couple episodes and it's so fucking outdated. Like, and Spock is not the most <laughs> comp- compelling host in the world. Yeah, you should try yeah. watching uh, the the short lived reboot they did in the in like the nineties or two thousands with uh, Mitch Pileggi, uh, who was in X Files. He's the host of the new In Search of, and it's definitely of its time as well. Like, it's interesting, like, the 70s version is dated in a 70s way, you know, and, and with a lot of the technology and a lot of the other scientific research being very outdated. But the this In Search of Reboot is outdated because of its just 2000s, late 90s, obnoxious editing, you know, that kind of thing. Kind of how they butchered the uh, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries reboot with yeah. Farina. Yeah, yeah. That's such a. Every time I think about that reboot, I get a more lot of more quick angry. cuts and and slow mo and you know music stings and just trying to up the drama. God, that that reboot was so embarrassing. <laughs> I don't it, think it, the, the new Unsolved Mysteries has been that much better, but I I, I at least I, at least they're new stories and they're not like yeah. recycling old fucking stories. Exactly. But yeah, they, exactly. They. they the lack of host, man, that makes a huge difference. For sure. But yeah, I think Meyer, he he probably had colleagues that were with the media or with other people. So it wasn't maybe just it was 100%. A, maybe it was like a non-profit or something. Who the yeah, fuck knows? I feel possibly. like they would have mentioned that, though, if that were the case. Yeah. So um, as they came near the wreck, they could see nothing in the murky water. Then the wing of a plane became visible. But was it the right plane? One distinctive feature of the Avenger is its bomb bay located under the fuselage. The submerged plane was upside down and the bomb bay cavity was clearly visible. 
Another recognizable feature of the Avenger is its wheel well on the the underside of the wing. And the Avenger's most unusual feature is the ball turret, which protected the gunner behind the pilot. Both of these features were visible to Meyer. It was clear that Meyer had found an Avenger, but was was, was it the one from the Lost Flight 19? Now, to me, it's like... I mean, I know that they have to prove this shit beyond a doubt, but, like, I mean, it's in the location you thought it was going to be. It's clearly an Avenger. It's like, that's got to be it. That's got to be the plane, you would think, you know? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of planes that go was that down. Like a, was that, like, a super common plane model back then? I don't know. Um, possibly. I don't, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I do know that in this area that of the Bermuda Triangle, like, there were a lot of planes that went down. So there is definitely a chance that it could just be a different Avenger and you need to have the serial number to really prove whether or not it's uh, uh, an Avenger that belongs to Flight 19, but Meyer wasn't able to find anything. Right. So using the submarine's mechanical fucking arm that it has, which is awesome, mm-hmm. uh, Meyer removed the uh, engine cowling, whatever that is, it's like a hood. Uh, he was hoping to find a serial number that would confirm that this Avenger belonged to Flight 19, but after examining the cowling, Meyer was unable to find any serial numbers. Quote, the only way to prove whether this is indeed a Flight 19 aircraft is going to be to raise that sucker out of the water. I and my partners believe that we're correct, but it'll remain a mystery until we can raise that airplane. Because there's probably a lot of other rich guys who are really into World War II uh, history. So they would they would just jump at the chance to 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 fund an expedition, be a, be like a part this. of history, really. Because if you find no. it, then you know your your name goes down in history to a cer- to a small degree. Exactly. Lifting um, a lifting. This a plane is also from- a two parter, I think, or an update. Like there there was the original segment was was shorter than I think the one that is on uh, YouTube and streaming because they had an update where they had the stuff with him with his crew. Yeah. Getting the plane out of the water. Right. Uh, lifting a plane from the floor of the ocean is no easy task, no. but John Meyer's solid research had attracted supporters. Mm-hmm. With new partners Larry Schwartz and Diana Laws, Meyer began a massive recovery operation known as Project 19. Previous dives had revealed that the engine and propeller had separated from the main body. They made plans to bring the plane up in two sections, first the engine and propeller assembly, than the main body. John believed the engine alone would confirm his find. Quote, there was a Navy Bureau number on the engine, and there was also a manufacturer's stamp number in the engine block. So if we raise that engine, we should be able to get a positive ID from that. Now, as to how much corrosion has occurred, that's difficult to say. As the recovery project began, the submarine's robotic arm wrapped nylon straps around the propeller and engine housing. 400 feet above a 50 ton crane began raising the wreckage and that is that honestly was definitely quite the sight to see yeah slowly the propeller and engine assembly was lifted on board but the condition of the wreckage made the immediate identification of the plane impossible so it was like hey we get an update they're they actually got the plane out of the water and then it's like uh we can't identify shit oh damn it (laughs) yeah i know like what the fuck uh, the next step was the recovery of the wing and fuselage. The submarine's crew attached a cable to a harness that held the sunken plane. The crane then began to slowly lift the plane 400 feet to the surface. 
but the Coral Encrusted Avenger weighed about three times more than expected. The harness and cables strained under their weight, and as night fell, the crane steel cable suddenly went slack. It had snapped in two, sending the Avenger back to the bottom. And this is all, like, this is not a reenactment. Like, no. they're actually filming this, like, mm-hmm. as it was happening. So that was kind of cool. Added some yeah. real-life drama in there, you know, before that type of show yeah. became popular that, you know... Uh, ice road truckers and the f- fucking fishing show, the Alaska crab <laughs> show, and all that shit. A Deadliest Catch, yeah, it was a great show. Uh, I never, I, I, I never liked any of those like reality shows, Cake Boss, and all that stupid shit. <laughs> it's just cheap, cheap to film. Barely I, I any writing. Think, I don't think Deadliest Catch was cheap to film at all. That one, pro- maybe not so much. There's probably a lot of. Uh, and Deadliest Catch, at least early on, like it seemed like legitimate, like reality, with very little scripted stuff. Then, as it like went on and had more seasons, then it started to become more obvious, and then I stopped watching it. Um, and then, when other shows tried to be the next Deadliest Catch, you know, like this logging show, for instance, I forgot what the name of it was, but I remember watching that. And there was one episode in particular. I was like, this is just scripted bullshit. Like they're all like getting in fights at a restaurant. Like, come on. I- <laughs> I was that, fu- that show duck dynasty. I thought, uh, I thought went my stupid ass. Like I, I actually kind of got semi interested in it. Back oh my when God. It was like, yeah, I know. I'm I never got into that down. show. I thought that everyone was just obnoxious and yeah, and- I don't know. They, the, the characters started to grow on you and, uh, then then I realized, like after watch a few episodes, I was like, "Dude, this shit is so fucking scripted." How do yeah. they have they every episode they have something to do? Uh-huh. Like there are certain scenes where they're just yeah. sitting around the 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 store, the warehouse, or whatever it's called, just bullshitting. Yeah. But there's there's usually a plot. There's usually like an A scene, yes. an a, a plot, a B plot. You could you also know. tell that some of the, some of these so-called real people like they were totally playing an act like it was it was so blatantly obvious yeah all the beard shit they had like a picture surfaced of all of them uh-huh. like of years earlier n- literally none of them had beards uh-huh. um so that yeah, show was... really started to get uh old and annoying once it like became like so popular that like you couldn't escape it like you go well, to all the, the grocery store yeah and the merchandise you were just like what all the stupid <laughs> merch, the the, uh-huh. the the dad with his, his you tea. know that yeah, you know that dude was fucking, <laughs> you know that dude had some very like politi- politically incorrect beliefs that he couldn't say on on the oh, show. Oh, one of them but, did, I think, eventually, and they got kind of canceled for a little bit. Yeah, and then then probably my favorite character was the old fart brother. I forget his name. The the wacky old guy who uh, oh sigh that was his name uncle sigh i think was that the one with the t or was that the other i don't know the that other was old like, guy that, that was the old goofy one and then the dad's name i don't remember anyway fuck what fuck talking about <laughs> duck dynasty jesus christ let's talk about a different dynasty the dynasty of uh the missing flight, flight 19. 19 um so yeah they showed the footage of them trying to bring the avenger out the the out of the water and like you could see the excitement and the tension for everyone involved and then you just saw their reactions and and live uh, time as as the cable snaps and like you could definitely just 
it, it, it's not something you can hear, but it's almost one of those things where you almost felt like you could hear their heart just sink, you know, their hearts sink in unison as soon as the the Avenger just sinks back into the ocean. That was very poetic, Mike. So at dawn, the crew was ready to try again. The submersible was launched to to, uh, relocate the wreckage. Tim Askew was Project 19's operation director. He's quoted here. It's still sitting in the same position that it was before, which is upside down. All the rigging is still on it, so all we have to do is get down there and hook onto it, and it's going to come up. But at this time, as the plane came up, there's another problem. The wings are buckling. Divers immediately went down to reinforce the wings. If they failed, according to Project 19 Administrator Larry Schwartz, the wings would tear off and the plane would sink again to the ocean floor. That was a really complicated and uh, difficult process to just get this plane out of the water. Yeah. The heave um, of the boat was causing the wings to flap up and down about two feet. We don't want to stress it, so we put straps around the outer portions of those wings, brought them up tight to give them a little extra support. The Avenger torpedo bomber resumed its ascent. Finally, the plane broke the surface. Uh, for John Meyer, the successful recovery of the Avenger marked the end of a nine-year quest for the truth. You know, it's strange. You'd think that you'd be elated and everybody's screaming and jumping up and down. For me, it's there, but it's subdued. It's tempered by knowing some good people died a long time ago, and we're going to forget them. We're not going to forget them. We're not going to forget them. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to forget them. But it's true. We just don't give a fuck. It's kind of true, though. Like, there's a lot of people who have totally forgotten about this and... I mean, what, you are you talk- have- what are we talking about, Mike? Any bar I go into, I walk up to the hottest girl in the room. I'm like, oh, my God, let me tell you about Flight 19. And she's going to be like, ah, hurry yeah. <laughs> You're a doc. Get away from me, you doc. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Um, the wreckage of the Avenger was taken to Marine Land near St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, that's where Stephanie's from. Uh, there, members of Project 19 record the numbers from the parts of the recovered aircraft. Several of these part numbers partially match those of one's lost Avengers from Flight 19, but unfortunately, Meyer and his team were unable to positively ID the recovered aircraft. Perhaps someday the other planes were lost that, that were lost that fateful day will be found in the mystery of Flight 19. will find me solved. Dude, this, this was the plane. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't have 100% definitive. Like, everything is matching up. The numbers are matching up, but they're not exact. But it's like, dude, that's the fucking plane. Like, just give it to the guy. Like, come on. Well, I mean, that's just not how the Navy or, or, or works. The, the, yeah, the, I know. You know how that is. It's got to be 100% empirically factual, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not how history works either. Like, it has to be empirical. Like, that's... that's Otherwise, it's not history. Let me see if there's any stupidity in the comments. Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, um, J- here, here's one. JFK killed Marilyn Monroe, uh-huh. exclamation point, exclamation point. Or this one guy, I think that Taylor gave the wrong orders on purpose. Like, why? <laughs> why would he do that? Make me fly when I say I don't want to. God damn it. This is what you get. We're all going to die. Um... But yeah, uh, my thoughts on what happened to Flight 19, I don't think there's anything supernatural about it. I I think it was just a case of weather conditions and um, human error yeah. that combined together to lead to these 
planes crashing in the ocean. Oh, yeah. But there are other theories that people have for uh, why uh, the Bermuda Triangle still causes so much trouble for planes and boats that uh, decide to travel uh, into its midst. What are those theories, Mike? So the first theory is rogue waves. According to a Channel 5 documentary, the Bermuda Triangle Enigma, uh, scientists now believe conditions in that area are just right for massive rogue waves and have used simulators to demonstrate how these w- would put ships at risk. Okay, so that puts a ship at risk, but how does, how, how does a rogue wave affect a, a plane? That to be some really massive rogue waves sounds rogue about wave. <laughs> rogue wave sounds about as 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 likely as swamp gas does for the red <laughs> light in that that ghost light or whatever. Yeah, or 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 a Mothman being a crane, oh. <laughs> a sandhill crane uh, that well when it stands up, you know, it it's got red patches on the eye, around its eyes. Why the just... hell would it terrorize somebody and follow them around in their car? It's a fucking crane. Flying after them, you know, (laughs) rocking the car from side to side. Uh, There are storms uh, to south and north which come together. University of Southampton oceanographer Simon Boxell is quoted. And if there are additional ones from Florida, it can be a potentially deadly formation of rogue waves. Florida again. I got to say, Mike, I've been to the beach quite a bit in my time, and I don't think I've ever experienced a rogue wave. I mean, they're all, all waves are pretty fucking rogue. That just sounds like either the name of an album or like some, you know, lame indie band name to me. <laughs> or the rogue sounds like, waves. <laughs> sounds like a lame, like, 90s alternative rock band to me. <laughs> yeah. Indie bands nowadays just name, like, just literally have the stupidest band names. Well, I mean, I did Arctic whole... Monkeys. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. Then you got like car seat headrest. <laughs> like what? Like why do you not respect yourself enough to come up with a name? That I mean, matters? I like Arctic Monkeys, but the, the the name is just weird. I never uh, like the fuck. I never like the name. And then you got like these like Uber hipster douchebags like Perfume Genius. <laughs> That's his fucking name, bro. Perfume genius. Uh, mil- milky chance. Milky chance. Ew. That sounds like a fucking bow. Like a, like you don't know if you should take a bow movement or not. Cause yeah. like you know you don't, or or no, it's like when when you have to fart, but it, you know it. There's a chance it could be more. That's a milky chance to me. <laughs> uh, uh, there, there's a band out there called Wet Leg. It's literally, it's just, it's like, you guys just don't give a fuck. You don't care. Grandson. I mean, Rogue Waves is actually better than any of those That's what, titles. That, that, that fits more in with the 90s aesthetic, though, yeah. of like, Rogue, we're Rogue Waves, man. Like, you know, that whole, like, Trying tough, to be like uh, Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> or, or something, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Huffington Post reports that Rogue Waves of this type uh, could uh, reach... To 100 feet tall, which would be on par with the largest wave ever recorded. A 100-foot tsunami triggered by an earthquake and a landslide in Alaska's Litiwa Bay in 1958. So that sounds pretty skeptical. Like, I mean, a 100-foot tall wave and people don't see it and don't notice anything about 
about it. I don't know about uh, that. Yeah. There's also magnetic forces causing compass malfunctions. This one, I think there's some plausibility to this theory. The Bermuda Triangle is one of two places on Earth where compasses point to true north uh, rather than the magnetic north. Um, some theories have suggested that the agonic line, the point where the magnetic and true north are perfectly aligned, passes through the Bermuda Triangle, resulting in a magnetic phenomenon, which could explain cases where pilots and ship captains claim their compasses cease to work properly, causing them to veer off course, which ties into what happened in Flight 19, because the compass was not accurate. The problem with this theory is that early 18th century scientists discovered that the agonic line shifts each year. While it did pass through the Bermuda Triangle at one point, and now goes through the Gulf of Mexico instead. Well, Flight 19 was around the Gulf of Mexico as well. So I don't know. I don't that because yeah. that kind of makes sense because their 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 uh, compasses were out of whack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they even said it says much in the segment. Speaking of. Uh, <laughs> of of uh, milky uh, chances um another theory is methane bubbles a series of huge craters discovered on the seabed around the coast of norway in 2016 may also give scientists vital information in solving the mystery the craters measure up to, uh, to a half a mile wide and are 150 feet deep and are believed to have been formed by bubbles of largely methane gas leaking from deposits of oil and gas buried deep in the sea floor once these gases reach a critical mass before bursting into the surface, they can cause large eruptions. So the sea farts. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like. <laughs> okay. Um, Atlantis. That's the other theory. I remember. I think I read a book about that years ago, where like Atlantis is in the Bermuda Triangle. Like there is no lost city of Atlantis. Now, is Atlantis supposed to be a sea that is underwater that has a big glass dome protecting it, or was it a, a city that was above ground but then somehow sunk? I think it's supposed to be like a city that was above ground that somehow sunk. The lost city of Atlantis was like a dome is fantasy, conspiracy theory crap. That, that, that that's where uh, that's where Tupac is. That's where the Illuminati <laughs> are. That's where they're going to go after the big... Uh, Atomic bomb that that eventually gets dropped on us. Atomic bomb. Sh- Why would it be an atom bomb? <laughs> it's a little, a little old. Whatever, man. I'm just <laughs> going off of what I read in the QAnon pamphlet that was sent to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, the same. So where where is JFK Jr.? Like what? Like isn't he supposed to be resurrected by now? Like appointing <laughs> Trump as president? Yeah, I mean there there's. There's a lot of just ridiculous conspiracy theories out there. The whole, the vaccine is full of computer, like microscopic, like computer chips. Oh yeah. Or, or um, the, you know, my whole thing now is like, hey, if if you don't want to get the vaccine, don't fucking get it. Get coronavirus and maybe die, or get the vaccine and shut the fuck up. You know, it's like that's 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 where I'm at. <laughs> You know, uh, we you have it. You don't want to hear about how like it it creates lizard uh, skin or whatever uh-huh. DNA yeah. or some shit. And you know, there's bodies. so because of all these fucking anti-vaxxers out there now. Uh, polio is starting to make a comeback. 
Ooh. Someone ha- like either died from it or has it God in New damn. York. Yeah. Because like, you know, stupidity. We are going backwards in this in this country. They made I would it, say that, it, it turned into a political thing when it right, should just they poli- be. They politicized it. It should just be you know something you do, you know, to, right. to help your you know your fellow man or woman. I mean, when polio there was an outbreak of polio, like I don't think there was really at all uh, a, a percentage, or at least not a large percentage of, of Americans that were like, yeah, I'm not going to get that the polio vaccine. No, I mean, they, you, you literally saw, I mean, I think that's a problem too, is like people either haven't had COVID yet. So they're just like, yeah, I'm not getting it. You can't tell me what to do. Or they did have it and it wasn't really, mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't really enough of a, uh, you know, wake up call to get them to get vaccinated. Because and I understand, like, I understand both sides. I get it. You know, people should, you know, just be able to choose what they want to do. But I don't yeah, know why I mean, it's politicized. That's the thing. It's like if it's just a personal thing, like oh, I don't, I'm worried about what the side effects might be, and blah blah blah. Then I'm like, okay, fine. But if it's a political thing, it's like you know. Well, even if they're worried about the side effects of the vaccine, I mean, Jesus Christ, the stuff that they're finding out about, like, co- like what COVID does to your brain, yeah. like it like stays in your brain yeah. and uh, it can yeah. like fuck all kinds of shit up in that regard. Yeah. Like long it, it's, COVID, it's long a weird... COVID is definitely a thing for a lot of people who caught the initial. Not only strain. the long, not only the long haulers, but like it. Even after it's gone, I think I heard something about like the like parts of the the virus stay just stay yeah. in your brain. And I mean, that's it. another mystery is like you know how you know viruses and how they just keep constantly evolving and you know what's going on with with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, Atlantis, like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, one of the more Atlantis conspiracy theories centers around the Bermuda Triangle actually being the location of the mythical lost city of Atlantis. I bet there's some people, you know, these Atlantis stands who are probably like, COVID is 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 from Atlantis. <laughs> Came from Atlantis. Uh, the Independent uh, recounts one blog poster explained when Atlantis was destroyed, it sank to the very bottom of the ocean. While the ruined temples now play host to multitudinous underwater creatures. Okay. Uh, the great Atlantean fire crystals that once provided so much of the tremendous power and energy that was found in Atlantis still exist. Fire oh crystals. Fire crystals. That sounds like a, <laughs> something that you have to uh, like go on a quest and find in like Final Fantasy VI yeah, or something. Yeah. Of course, another theory is aliens. Because, you know, it's always Aliens. 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 Uh, the Sun explains that some writers have blamed UFOs for the disappearances, and they believe that aliens use the triangle as a portal to travel to and from our planet. Uh, the area is like a gathering station where they capture people, ships, and aircraft to conduct research. I think there was like a TV movie that like mentioned it was like the devil. Der <laughs> Teufel. Yeah, it was the devil who was doing all of this in the Bermuda Triangle. It was Satan. Uh, they, had a, they had a really, they had a really interesting episode of Rocco's Modern Life. It's an, that's an old show on Nickelodeon. For I love that show. Don't know. It's great. Yeah, it's classic. Uh, where they they took went on a cruise to the Bermuda Triangle through the Bermuda Triangle, and it 
and it like reversed at time so like all the old people <laughs> yeah. became young again and then uh-huh. like all the people who were already young were like babies and uh it was pretty pretty interesting pretty funny yeah, that was a very creative show yeah it was Last year, Australian scientist uh, Carl uh, Kruznalecki claimed that the high number of disappearances cannot be explained by aliens or Atlantis, duh, or even by more plausible theories involving rogue va- rogue waves. Instead, he suggested the mystery is nothing more than a perfect mix of human error, bad weather, and a high concentration of ships in the area. The most likely explanation, if you ask me. It's just not as interesting. You know, you know, th- th- that's the thing with the Bermuda Triangle. Like, I never bought into Atlantis theories or anything supernatural. Like, even from the first time I heard about the Bermuda Triangle and, and these disappearances, I'm like, it- it's just human error, bad weather. That That's it. <laughs> uh, right. It's close to the equator near a wealthy part of the world, America. Therefore, you have a lot of traffic. According to Lloyd's of London and the U.S. Coast Guard, the number that go missing in the Bermuda Triangle is the same as anywhere in the world on a percentage basis. That's a big uh, uh, thing right there. Like, like if that's actually accurate, then it's not even that unusual in terms of the amount of uh, disappearances. Because, like, a lot of the writing, a lot of the stuff that talks about the Bermuda Triangle, they talk about how many people disappear... You know, an average of four planes and 20 boats are said to vanish in the zone every year. But if that's just the, the same as any other, uh, you know, body of water or any other, you know, um, area, um, then that's that's really nothing that special. But it's still yeah. it's still it's still a, a segment. At least the unsolved mystery segment is definitely something we're talking about, though. Particularly for the recovery effort of of the plane, I, I've always thought that was pretty cool. Um, kind of reminded me a little bit of what they tried to do with the Titanic. Yeah, true. I'm done talking about the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> um all right that is a podcast is a short one because fuck it um <laughs> <laughs> well that was the plan anyway folks we wanted to do a, a short but but sweet podcast this week i i wouldn't mind just doing like one segment like from now on you know just maybe we, maybe we can put them out more consistently if we yeah. if we know that it's not going to eat up like two hours of our day you know what i mean yeah and speaking if, if, of uh um, of segments uh, that even though I wasn't big on the new Unsolved Mysteries, I'm still kind of looking forward to the new season coming out later this year. I think it's in October, I think, again, because then it'll give us new cases that we can cover. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right, guys, if you want to follow us on, uh, join our Facebook group, it's uh, go to Facebook. Type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar and then go to the group section um, and join. And if you want to donate to us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Usually, lately, I've been good about getting the episodes out early. Um, that's what you get for $3 a month. For 5 a month, you can recommend something for us to talk about on the show, as long as it's not an entire series, just one episode of something or a topic just in in what the fuck am i trying to say indivisible topic (laughs) an individual topic there we go fuck my goddamn 
foggy ass hangover brain. Um, I, I I knew it. Like I was like, he, he's, he's probably hungover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every it's it's every day now. I mean, it's it's yeah, gotten bad. That sucks, man. I'm really yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It's it's a. I think it's a product of just the last few years, the pandemic, the stress with the band. It's just easier to yeah. let go at night and just you know mm-hmm. feel feel good for a few hours and relax and escape. I guess. Whatever. I'm trying to get it under control one of Don't these days. Don't fall too hard into that bottle. <laughs> oh, God. The amount of advice people try to give me. It's my personal journey, Mike. Um, it's my <laughs> struggle. And I only I don't did need that because I care about you. you know? that, yeah, that's yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, anyway, we're not talking about Josh's alcoholism. Um, <laughs> if you want to subscribe to me or Mike's YouTube channel, where we are separate, we are not together at all. We have never even collaborated together on a YouTube video, because that's not how we roll. We only collaborate on the podcast, okay? Anyway, you I can mean, go to... if we ever were in like, the same place at once, I mean... Oh, but you can still collaborate on videos. I, 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 I collaborate on the VR video... Um, but anyway, um, Mike's YouTube channel, he's a movie guy, talks a lot about movies. It's uh, youtube.com slash OCP communications, youtube.com slash OCP communications. Uh, what was the last thing you talked about? Mike? The last uh, video I uploaded is a rant on the 2012 Adam Sandler comedy, That's My Boy. It was awkward, unfunny, and lazy. It was really bad. It was a film that. I'm still surprised it even got released, especially in 2012. Uh, the plot is about Adam Sandler being some washed-up celebrity who was only a celebrity in the 80s because he banged his hot teacher and got her pregnant when he was in high school. Yeah, we were talking about that last week, Yeah, I believe. Or not not last week, no. like three weeks ago, the last time we did a fucking yeah. podcast. It, it, it's one of those things where you're like, wow, that's that's pretty pretty yikes. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know how you could make... That, that's just not funny. Like, I don't know how that's even... I don't know how you could turn that into something that, that's funny, especially not in an Adam Sandler comedy. <laughs> He has to put out. I mean, yes, yeah, sir. He's been doing a lot of dramatic stuff since Uncut Gems, and honestly, that has been huge for him. I think he's in a bit of a career uh, resurgence because of the right. fact that he's focusing less on these lazy, dumb comedies and just acting. Because he's what, been what a blows- good dramatic actor. Yeah, no, I mean, even in all the way back in like Punch Drunk Love, like, yeah. that was a that was a good movie. That was like 2005, I want to yeah. say. But um, yeah, like the crazy thing is, is like he puts out these shitty movies, but they're like, you know, well filmed with expensive. Yeah, you know, that's, my, that's can- my boy had some nice direction. I I have to admit, hey. yeah. Like the the cameras are like ultra HD and they're it's shot well and there there's lighting people and there's all this whole team of people. good casts too usually and, and, yeah and then you gotta like you know memorize lines and there's locations and there's you know as someone who's done a lot of music videos I, I should know just all the work that goes into it just to make a piece of shit yeah because the script the the seed of everything which is the script was bad. Yeah, and st- and then st- a stupid idea, and it's like I don't know it. 
It's one thing to make like a bad indie because it's like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, that di- that didn't, you know, that didn't like break the bank, you know. Yeah. And it didn't. And it, it, a lot of times with indie movies, you can achieve a lot with a little. Um, but with these big Adam Sandler kind of studio productions, it's like, man, why would you put all that work into making? Well, like for instance, si- Pic- Pixels was a really cool idea. It was a great concept. And that yeah, film that, was. That garbage it's terrible right all the cgi that uh-huh. went into it and it's just like i don't i don't understand why like why he and you know the guy's probably a, a fan of like good art and good directors yeah. and comedy and all he's that got, and, yeah. he, he's also loaded with with cash and i think at a, at a certain point in his career he he lost that hunger that drive you know that he might have had early on to make a name for himself and like happy gilmore and billy madison you know that energy that came across yeah. so effortless on his part i and never then, gave, i never i never gave a fuck about billy madison i don't no, know, that's like, cool happy, i liked happy gilmore, but then like though. once he you know became even more of a household name and had like multiple comedy films that were huge hits um, he got complacent. He stopped really putting a full effort into his films. And what was the name of that stupid movie? I always remember the box art at HB or at a uh, blockbuster uh-huh. when I go into the VH- VHS section where it's like his first movie he was ever in. Was it called Overboard Going or something? Going Overboard. That is one of the worst comedies ever. The, like, that, that is the box so art. The box art made me cringe so hard yeah. when I was a kid. I would look at it, I'm like this. As, as a kid, the the language I would have used is this is the gayest looking fucking just, just, movie I've just, ever just, seen. Just think about watching it. Like it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's a million times more cringe because like it, the stupid look on his face. Yeah, like bad. his arms are out. Like what? And he's like, got like water wings on. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. So bad. So cringe. But like he started yeah. his career with with crap like that, and then like he but that's a film that barely anybody ever saw and he was on snl and then that led to him getting you know stuff like happy gilmore oh he blew the fuck up on snl yes with his whole guitar shtick on the weekend opera man opera man (laughs) the cajun boy who basically is the water boy character if you think about uh, it uh yeah like i never liked any of his music based stuff i know he's always tried I, lo- to shoot. I loved his tribute song to to chris farley though that was really good i, n- I never heard that one you he see? actually does that he did a techno song called um uh Shh, don't tell mm-hmm. uh or or no it's called secret yeah and it's like mocking the like those 90s techno songs <laughs> and and like basically like uh the 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 big build up to the chorus is i trim my bush uh, but it's <laughs> But it's like, I got a secret, shh, don't tell, I trim my bush. <laughs> like, it, it's pretty funny. I, I, I do, I will admit that one's pretty funny. Um, um, but, yeah, but yeah, like, like at a certain point, he, he just stopped giving a shit and then the quality of his films just completely dipped. And he just even admitted it in interviews, like, I'm just, I'm just doing it now so I can go on vacation. Yeah, you I know, heard that. I remember, I remember hearing that comment. Yeah, go on vacation and hang out with my friends. It's like, well, then just go on vacation and hang out with your friends. And don't do a movie. <laughs> like, right. you, like you have enough money to do that, Adam. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. He might be one of those workaholics that feels like if he's not working, then he's he's you know like yeah. he just can't live with him. I mean, that's how I've gotten yeah. to. I've gotten to the point where like I'll allow myself to play maybe an hour or so of video games every day, but uh-huh. that's that's like the most amount of. I'm like the opposite. I'm at the time. point where I'm looking forward to this like eight days off I'm going to have in October because I'm like I could just use just. Yeah, you know what I would what what thought would come to my head is oh man, think of all the stuff I'm gonna get done like on my channel and with the band, (laughs) you know, like I'd just be thinking about work. I mean, I'm thinking about stuff for YouTube for sure. You know, getting caught up on a on a some stuff that's you know kind of on a back burner, but I'm also thinking about things that I could do just just to relax and just you know go with the flow. So that's Mike's YouTube channel. If you want to listen to my YouTube channel, it's uh, youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. The last video I uploaded was the aforementioned expensive music video for our new single, The Audacity. Uh, it turned out really well. We actually had people in this video. We wanted a video to show that we actually had fans, you know, because... Actually, I don't know if I think me and Mike talking about the video was before that we record the podcast. So you <laughs> might not have heard any of that. Actually, just realized that. Uh, but now, uh, all of our old music videos, and like I tell people, it's like Dancing with Ghosts was existed in a very lonely universe in the old music videos because it's literally just me and Stephanie, and I wanted a video, and this song. Felt like it had the energy to justify this. Like, I wanted a video where there's a crowd that is getting the fuck down and just going off and having a a fun time and all that shit. And I knew there was no way in hell I would be able to direct a video like that. So we hired this production company from out of Orlando because we couldn't find anyone here to do it. Um, And they did a really good job. It looks super professional. We also, like did a smash room scene like there are several scenes that are interspliced to the video or me and stephanie just smash a bunch of shit with baseball bats and crowbars and sledgehammers and that was a lot of fun and dangerous because they have suits and masks for you to wear but they don't make you wear them at the place you do not have to wear them if you don't want to so you know stephanie wanted her face to be seen so she didn't wear a mask half the time that she was smashing shit which if you're smashing a glass vase, I mean, obviously shards of glass can go into your eye, but didn't seem to bother her. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so if you want to see uh, that video, go to my YouTube channel, and that's also the name of my band. So listen to us on Spotify. The Audacity has been out for, what, like, I don't know, I think a little, maybe a month, and it's already cracked 1,100 streams. So thank you if you already listened to us. And if not, get get on it, boy. But uh, yeah, until next time, talk to you later. Goodbye. See ya.